This is Who Run the World, and we're joined today by Claire. We are recording part four of season four. This is a season where we decided to do something a little bit different from our interviews with amazing female leaders, which is what we started with in the first two seasons. We are making ourselves the center of the story and opening up about our stories, our vulnerabilities, uh, and the things that we struggle with every day and hoping that transparency will reach somebody who needs to hear it and who needs to hear that most of us are, surprise, surprise, not perfect. So Rhea and I, every episode, we ask someone to join us and our coach will challenge us in our thinking and then give us an actual challenge that we have to accomplish. And a week later, with our next coach, we'll discuss whether we've succeeded at that challenge or failed. And then we can get our next challenge. Claire. Claire. Hi, Claire. Hello, Marlene. Hello, Rhea. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you for being um, here. I'm speaking to you from Southwest England, but I'm really glad to be here and to be helping you on this little journey of opening up, comparing notes on, on the challenges that you're facing. You know, one of the things that coaches do is simply open up a space to share, open up a space where you can be safe in your being vulnerable and not judging. I love to do that and I'm honored that you've invited me on to get some support. Well, thank you for joining us. I met Claire because she was the first person to offer a career retreat, which is something I'd been looking for. And we haven't been able to get out of each other's space since for whatever reason. Here we are. And the career retreat hasn't happened, but it will. It will. Give it time. Normally how we start these episodes is we recap what the challenge was last week and we unveil our successes and failures <laughs> Introduce to us what the theme and the challenges okay. from last episode So, so last week we had Suzanne, who is your coach mm -hmm. on the podcast, and our theme was balance. And my issue was that I find it difficult to balance my job and the different projects I have in my life. And my challenge was twofold. You had, yeah, two challenges in one. The number one was to have a schedule and a plan and to stick to it. Spoiler alert, I did not stick to it. At, at all. all. <laughs> no, it, 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 the sticking to it went south. So and then it went north. <laughs> it went and, north <laughs> and it went into so many different directions. We'll get into it in a second. And the second part of the challenge was I had to write down why I thought I was going to be successful with my podcast in my notebook which I have here with me now. And then my challenge, I started off discussing the fact that although I didn't feel like I had any balance problem in terms of how, you know, the different things in my life that make up who I am, that I've actually lockdown has miraculously given me an avenue for balance. That really the one thing that I wasn't being balanced about was the fact that I'm always trying to be positive about everything. And therefore, I don't mm -hmm. always actually let myself feel whatever I'm supposed to be feeling. And so my challenge was that for the week, every day, I have to share how I feel. Rhea, I'll let you go first because you're the one with the juicy the story. Juice. I've struggled and failed with this challenge. First of all, with the plan, I did not stick to it at all. I actually added more hours to my workday. Do you remember that this is actually what I said in the episode? I'm like... Rhea, you cannot fix your balance problem by working longer hours. You did say that. Mm. You did say that. But I also will say that actually working more hours allowed me to accomplish stuff with the podcast yes. and with work. And mm -hmm. I got to finish things. Um, yes, I am exhausted and tired. But do I feel less guilty? Not really. Uh, <laughs> You're still <laughs> feeling unbalanced. I'm very bad at making plans and sticking to them in general. So we need to work so on that. So maybe we need to make the plan that we want you to fail at. 
What do you mean? Like you always fail at making plans and sticking to them. So let's make a plan where you have to work 18 hours a day and then you can fail at doing that and then you can find balance. No, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I'd like to interject to invite you to think about it somewhat differently. It can be so damaging to feel that you have failed. If anything in this is to do with self-esteem, to do with sense of success and accomplishment, then taking a challenge and simply giving yourself a black or white pass-fail thing is possibly not the most friendly way to be treating yourself. The mere fact that you paid attention to this issue and thought about it, even if you didn't do everything that you had on your list to accomplish, looks to me as though it just might not be a failure. How does that land? I like to pride myself in saying that I look at the world as a gray area. And when it comes to myself, I don't look at it as a gray area. It's either I've done well or I haven't done well. And one of the days last weekend, uh, I hadn't done anything for the podcast. I am looking for an apartment and didn't find one. And it was just, I encountered a lot of closed doors. And so I have one of my really good friends. I texted him. I'm like, do you know what failure looks like? And he said, what? And I send him a selfie <laughs> of myself. <laughs> thinking I was funny and then he's like can I call you and he started saying no that's not true this is you're not being nice to yourself these things happen and I also very much deflect to humor when it comes to these things and I, because I think it's funny I don't think I'm being unkind to myself but you're right it's not a very nice way to paint this picture let's do a nicer thing which is you're gonna read your word of affirmation to yourself mm -hmm. out loud on record okay are you ready? Rhea's opening her This notebook. is very uncomfortable. This is part two of her challenge. Let's do this. So reasons why I think I will succeed with my podcast. Number one, I love podcasts and that comes off when I talk about them. I have good ideas. I'm a good story editor. I am ready and willing to learn from my mistakes. I'm not afraid to pivot. I'm a good interviewer. I enjoy collaboration. I speak with passion. I am creative and easy to work with. Uh, I'm charismatic and know how to read a room and sell my idea. Uh, I have high emotional intelligence. I am brave enough and use the privilege that I do have to just go for it. I love it. Amazing. I will make a comment is that Rhea read these out to me, let's say halfway through the list that she read today. And I yelled at her because I found that the first half of her list, what is now the first half of her list, was very... It, it was a, a lot about Rhea being nice. Agreeable. Agreeable. That's the word I used. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. And I said, now the rest of the challenge is, okay, you put up your agreeable things where you're a nice girl and everybody thinks you're wonderful. Can you please now put, put up a list that comes from your gut? That's not so nice. That's a little more aggressive and confident. And actually, I you didn't read the rest of the list to me offline. So I'm discovering no, I didn't. it along with our audience. And I am so proud of you. Thank you. I never thought you would write something like that. Really? Because it's gutsy and you're charismatic and you're strong and you can read a room and you can get people to tell you things. And that is the Rhea that I know. But it's really nice to see that it's the Rhea that you know. What do you think? Yeah, I, there was there was something I noticed, which was that indeed in that first half of the list, probably fifty percent of the things you said used the adjective "good," which is you know fundamentally insipid and meaningless. And it was when you started using stronger adjectives, more weighted and and more colorful adjectives, that suddenly you were really expressing true confidence and not just being the good girl. I'm a high five you. 
Yes. Thank you, guys. Brilliant. I Thank you. That. I actually, it was funny, before our the this podcast, I was talking to my friend Mark on the phone. You said, how are the challenges going? Do you think they're working? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like, especially the writing one, I was doing it on my own. There was no, never anyone holding me accountable to it. So I don't really feel the words that I wrote down. Whereas I, then I said, Marinine every day would say them out loud. Mm. And I told them I saw a visible change in the way her week was going because you could palpably feel her challenge. Right. Whereas mine was, felt very removed from everyone. Mm. So maybe continuing forward, we can do these things more out loud than just write them down, which is so a good segue you. To, to you. What, what was your challenge? Brilliant. So my challenge, again, was sharing my emotions with my family. So Rhea and Hadi every evening at dinner. Actually, I'm going to start this story off by sharing a dream that I had towards the end of that week where this Asian woman and her son, we were at a gala dinner and they were given a huge award. And I asked someone, why were they given an award? And it turned out that the son has like, is afraid of a lot of things. And so his mom bought a house on the beach. And every day they wear these like hazmat suits and they stand on the beach because this particular house, when the waves go up, they kind of crash against the house. And so they stand on the beach at the moment where the waves are crashing. And rather than try to face the waves with courage, they actually close their eyes and turn around and pray to God they don't get killed. They were getting an award for a drawing that the son was making. And once people saw how beautiful this drawing uh, was, because he, rather than trying to defeat fear, he and his mom were completely accepting fear. And then everybody started visiting their house like some kind of shrine and doing the same thing with them. And I think that's uh, my dreams are always funny, but this and is... Then you went to the house in your dream. Yes, and in my dream, I was at the house and I did the wave thing where I like accepted the fear and turned around and hoped to God the wave wouldn't kill me. I think the clear message of that dream was that it was kind of how my week went. I accepted that I was afraid or that I was angry or that I was helpless or whatever, or some days that I was very happy. But regardless, the fact of saying those feelings out loud and accepting them as they were and also realizing that I'm not weak for feeling them and that they don't actually make me unable to function and that it's okay to say how I feel because something you said in the last episode which really also weighed on me was that because I don't say how I feel I don't allow you to feel how you feel and so creating that space where we could all say those things but we would still after that get up and get on and be fine and build things and move forward that dream was a very beautiful culmination of that exercise did you feel like my sharing was you know authentic it was funny because some days it would be like so how are you feeling and she'd be like i'm tired tired is not a feeling <laughs> tired is a physical <laughs> manifestation state. <laughs> and state oftentimes when someone feels tired unless you're sleepy Absolutely. there's something that's causing you to be tired and you did allow the digging and, and then what would happen is that we would all share as well around the table to be there with you so that you weren't just the only ones sharing Correct. her emotions so Ray and my husband would then proceed to sharing and i actually did see a difference and you were much more zen and less on edge because i think you were a little bit on edge before because you were trying to wrap all these things up claire what do you think it's wonderful that you were able to use your exercise marilyn as a catalyst to get everybody sharing <laughs> And I'm wondering what the likelihood is that you're going to continue and make it a part of your dinner time experience or not. I always try to soldier on because that's kind of what I was designed to do. 
and I thought that sharing my emotions would break me down or slow me down or, you know, that it would create a barrier to me being the resilient girl who gets on with things. But then it was such an easy thing to do. It was so natural and simple. And I'm surrounded with two people who are so supportive. On that day, the first day, I was so angry that night. And I shared that with Rea and Hadi. And Rea was like, okay, you're sitting down. You're not making dinner. You're going to sit down, put your feet up. You're going to relax because she could see how angry I was that day. And she made dinner for me, which is not a lot of people make dinner for me. Normally, when you are upset, you don't verbalize that you're upset and you become in this pissy mood yeah. where like you're in the kitchen cooking, you have your headphones in and no one can talk to you because you're just in your mood. Yeah. Whereas by expressing I'm pissed allowed me to figure that out and say, okay, can you please leave the kitchen? Yes. Sit with your husband. He's going to hug you and I'm going to cook. <laughs> But I have a question for you. Shoot. A lot of the nights I would ask you, how are you feeling? I'm going to move out at some point. No, you're not. <laughs> It's going to happen at some point. I want you to express your emotions, even if someone didn't ask you. That's also what Suzanne was pushing me to do. She's like, now you got to make it a habit. And so yeah. I will. And saying like, hey, Hadi, I'm feeling like this today. Yeah, that's how we can start every dinner. So this is going to allow you and has allowed you to have different responses. Instead of what Rhea just described, whereby when you are suffering with something that's bothering you, you hide away from it by managing because that's your default mechanism, yeah. right? I manage, I get things done, come what may, give me a tank, give me, you know, I'll just get <laughs> on with it, right? Yes. So you hide away from it and you make the dinner, even though in your head you're going, for fuck's sake, I don't want to make this dinner. Somebody else should be looking after me. But do you verbalize that? When that first night Rhea did that for me, it just allowed me to see that if I do let go, somebody else who cares for me will step up and that that's okay. That's more than okay. That's a wonderful thing to have, right? It really is. I think one of the first times I really embraced that particular attitude was first time I admitted honestly to my children mm. that I was, you know, having a horrible time about whatever it was. And realizing that even as relatively young kids, they could actually say, hey, mama, sit down and, you know, we'll put some stinky flannel on your face and, you know, kid ourselves that we're giving you a, a you know, a nice um, beauty experience. And we will make the dinner, even if we trash the kitchen in the process. But the point was actually giving somebody else the permission to be the one to take up the space and the safety and whatever it might be that you need at that time is incredibly difficult, especially for problem solvers like, like you and me, where it's so much easier just to force your way on, cutting your way through a thicker and thicker jungle. But you're cutting, right? So it's okay. Also, more jungle gets cut if you let someone cut with you. Absolutely. To be honest, and I think that's a beautiful segue into our topic for today, I'm really grateful for that, but I'm also very grateful for you. I don't know how these last three months would have been if you hadn't been around here, so I'm grateful that the universe locked you down with me. Of all the joints in the world, if I had to be locked down anywhere, this is, this <laughs> this is, is a pretty joint. good one. And I'm exceedingly grateful for the fact that Marilyn was the very first person to respond to my call for participants in the career retreat and Very that first. engendered all those conversations that have led to me being here today and you being in my place not so long ago and just being able to spark and generate and, and create together has been such a pleasure. Which brings us to the theme of today, gratitude. 
what we're going to do, Claire, is we're going to present... We've been thinking about this theme because it's not an easy one. And we're going to present you how each of us perceives this and the thing that we think we'd like to make progress on. So we talked a, a bit about this. My issue or my question when it comes to this is I understand the, the benefits of gratitude and I, and I do feel the feelings of being thankful and grateful for different things but it's very hard for me to have that feeling without not feeling guilty and having the feeling that I need to overcompensate for something. So for example, these lovely people, Marilyn and Hadi, have graciously allowed me to occupy their spare bedroom. I have till this day been unable to rent an apartment because of paperwork and because of lockdown, which has... And because I'm never letting you move out. Listen, there's people who have you over and you do feel like a guest all the time, but they made me a part of their family, which makes me feel super grateful. So with that gratitude, I feel incredibly guilty that, oh my God, I need to show my thanks to them or, oh my God, what about their life as a couple? Am I encroaching? There's always this feeling of guilt that comes with the thankfulness that is frankly very exhausting sometimes. And which has caused you to literally like order something for the house every two days. What would it feel like if you did just sit with the gratitude? I don't know. I've never done it before. There's an aspect of this that comes from us being Mediterranean women because our mothers, their entire existence is managed through guilt. Their own and then that of the people around them. And so I think there's something profoundly cultural about associating those two things so profoundly. I get and respect that that cultural bias that's going on. And, you know, don't worry, us Northerners have wider Judeo-Christian guilt as well. Yes, you know, we we all true. have it. We all find an excuse to wallow in it as much as we want. But is it not too convenient an excuse to be hiding behind it? What would the alternative feel like? Yeah, what is Actually, the alternative? I, I'll put your question back to you. Because you would have done the exact same thing. Oh my god, I would have like, I don't know what I would have done. I would have like sewed their cushions. <laughs> Do you want me to sew your cushions? <laughs> don't sew my cushions. Well, you know what? I'll answer to you from my point of view. When you combine that gratitude with guilt and therefore decide that you have to buy us stuff, it feels like we're not making you feel welcome enough because you're still behaving like a guest despite what you're saying about the fact that you feel at home and that we brought you into our lives and so on when you feel the need to do all those things it makes me feel like i'm not being welcoming enough really yes double dose of guilt now <laughs> now imagine the opposite where you just become a member of the family and how would that be for you to like just accept that you're a member of this family and be happy that you have a nice family and that we you know we're blessed with a lot of things and not feel the need to repay it i just feel like i need to contribute to this household to this family that i'm a part of and so i need to feel that i'm not just here mooching you feel like a burden yeah so there's a few things that are showing up here that are that are really interesting and quite universal i'd like to share a little example with you i remember when especially when my kids were small and my mom lived quite nearby, she would spend so much time saying, I wish I could do things to help you, which somehow sort of absolved her of her guilt. But she never once stopped to ask what it was that would be useful to help with. It used to drive me crazy, actually, and then I just gave up on it. But I'm seeing some reminders of that in your attitude, Rhea, of 
I have to, you know, I have to buy something because that makes me feel good. Whereas actually, Marilyn is inviting you to play differently. She's actually giving you the cue for your key to salvation, if you like. <laughs> for your key to not feeling guilty anymore. And I wonder how that lands with you. It's very touching. Um especially coming from from Marilyn, who's like a sister to me if you want to think of another gratitude example like getting my job at Deezer when I did came at a very amazing moment because Lebanon is in severe financial crisis I was able to get out and I'm incredibly thankful for that job but I also feel very guilty as soon as I think of anyone still in Lebanon and so whenever I talk to them I need to be like it's going good everything's great I don't permit myself to to say, oh, I had a bad day at work today. That's another way maybe it manifests where I don't know how to just sit in gratitude. I don't know what that looks like. It's a challenge because what you're seeing here is that wherever you go, there you are, yes. right? You're bringing this lifelong habit with you again and again. Now, I'm wondering if quite simply you could pick on one small thing, either right now or over the days to come, for which you could force yourself to sort of squeeze yourself into a little box where there is only room for you and the gratitude. Doesn't have to be your job at Deezer. I get how complex that must be to be speaking to your friends and family in Lebanon, knowing how bad things are there. It may well be that that is the appropriate reaction. You know, maybe there are more appropriate people to be speaking with about your excitement at having the, you know, the, the job at Deezer. And, and maybe there is a contextualization to be done here that would be useful to you, that would serve you as a way to become more comfortable with exploring this gratitude rather than prohibiting it because you can't do that with the guys in Lebanon. I'll share something with you guys that I think is um, meaningful with this. So my mother is similar to all of our Lebanese mothers and the Judeo-Christian guilt. I observed when I was young and growing up that whenever someone did something nice for her, whatever it was, she had to repay it in equal measure. Someone got her flowers, next time she would get them flowers. Someone invited her to lunch. Oh God, let's not even talk about someone inviting her to lunch. The first time someone managed to pay for lunch with my mother around, she cried. Which is when I observed that not the, what it would do to her, but it, what, it, what it would do to the person who tried to give her something. I tried to give you something. All I want is in return is for you to be happy. But instead, you give it back to me. And therefore, what I was doing for you is now erased. I wanted people around me to be happy when they gave me something. I taught myself to accept it. I will repay it to them one day because I know that I'm a good person, that I care about what they love but that I don't have to do it as a response. I will do it separately because I love them. But how did you get to that? Mental discipline, like fight the urge. Someone gives you something, you notice yourself saying like, I'm going to give them something back. You say, no. Can I say that I did that this week? You did. I had a presentation. I had done it, but I needed someone to, to go over it. And I had asked Marinin. And the day was busy and it ended up that she can only help at 11 p.m. the night before. Uh, and I was like, no, no, it's 11 p.m. It's fine, whatever. And she said, no, I'm going to help you. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to accept the help. It took everything in me to just shut up, say thank you and move on. And so you know you how to do it. it. You've yeah. done it. I did it. I did it. But it was painful. But you know, that made me feel amazing because I could finally do something for you where you didn't have to respond. 
there's a huge opportunity also to take these moments where there is adversity of some kind. In this particular instance, it was 11 o'clock at night. You know, that wasn't actually the most comfortable time to be doing this, mm -hmm. right? But something in that context gave you the chance to accept. I mean, yes, you needed to impose some discipline on yourself, but it was maybe easier because there was a, a sense of reduced choice. I mean, I had about 10 years of my life where I was raising four small children on my own. I really didn't have much money. I had an MBA and all my MBA friends were super rich and I wasn't. I was kind of like you at that 11 o'clock at night. They'd invite me on fancy holidays and I'd find a way to scrape the money together to get the ticket. But then I was completely screwed because I had no money and couldn't therefore play the same games that they were playing in the same way. Honestly, of course, what happened most of the time would be that some kind person amongst the group would just quietly, discreetly pay for me to do whatever I was doing. And, and that did feel sometimes uncomfortable. The fact was that that constraint of simply not being able to repay in kind was very, very educational. And I think there's an opportunity in any context where you're constrained to see that you can't just go flip flop, lunch, lunch, flowers, flowers, chocolates, chocolates. And I'm wondering what it would look like if you used, you know, this time, this weird COVID time, this time when we can't do everything yeah. that we would like to play with that. I'm going to use this moment to introduce my thoughts. So what I was thinking when it comes to gratefulness is, let's say that I've been able to control my oriental guilt. I'm a little more able to truly be grateful to truly accept gifts from others as they are in whatever format they can give them to me. What I was thinking about is I want a more meaningful way of taking that gratefulness, the feeling that I have, and paying it forward to somebody else rather than to the person who gave it to me. And how do I make that feeling of gratefulness that came to me flow to somebody else? The first thing I'm curious about is whether you truly think that you don't yet do that. No, I do that. I mean, I offer my help to anyone who approaches me. But those people who are able to approach me for help are already more privileged. First of all, they've gotten to the point emotionally where they're not afraid to ask for help, which is already more than most people I know. I've been feeling that, especially during this pandemic, I don't know that I've done it enough for people who couldn't ask me for help. You're looking for an opportunity. Yes. To create something beyond what you're currently doing. That's absolutely right. Because I think that that's a way to truly be grateful, to say, I have received a lot. And because I have received, rather than give it back to those who sent it to me, I'm going to pay it forward to somebody else in a structured manner that isn't just serendipitous. If you had the opportunity, knowing you, if you were in Lebanon, you would be one of the like primary organizers to like an NGO. Yes, or but I'm like not doing that. See, I don't think that's your problem. What do you think is my problem? I think you feel guilty Whenever you get a new amazing position, you hide it. You don't want to talk about it. When the Dubai opera happened, your voice became so small. You are internally thankful, but you can't hold the thankfulness and be like, I got this. Yeah, I don't like to boast. One of the things that you might want to consider here is where you draw the line between boastfulness and being proud. Fair. The whole helping other people, I know you, you would do it. You used to do it when you lived in yes, Lebanon. Yes, I did it when I was in Lebanon. But now I'm lacking the ability to do it somehow. I think possibly you need to go deeper into the somehow as well. I mean, maybe I'm failing to see something here. But first of all, you're saying, well, I can't do what I used to do. What I do now is send dollars. I mean, that, that may be 
quite legitimately the only way that you truly can help. But you know, how, how true is that? Are there other things that you could be doing that for some reason you're avoiding? This topic brought on the fact that I should think of a structured manner to do that. Not that I'm unable to do that. It's not as simple because it's not in front of me, right? Like if I was in Lebanon, I would organize, I would help raise money, I would find like ways to get food to people. It would be available for me to jump on a train that's already moving, right? Being far away means that the answer is less obvious. You should call Milhim. I am helping Milhim, but again, I donate to his foundation. Help him deeper. Call him. How can I help with the foundation from Dubai? That's a very good idea. You have the answers. There's still more in the gratitude for you. Like when you got your new client, yeah. you were scared to tell people. There's one thing about not wanting to be boastful, yeah, but, but there's that another. I can also say what it is. I, I can tell you why I feel scared about these things very openly. It's because I'm the resilient girl who gets on with things. When I get positive things, here's what people's answer is. Oh, but it's you. Like if I achieve something, if I overcome something, if somebody else had had this, people would have thrown a fucking party for them. How does that affect you feeling grateful for what Absolutely. you have then? That's the question. No, I am actually very grateful because I know that I am not a certified successful person because nobody is. But I have very few people to whom I'll say this happened to me and they will throw a party. Most people will be like, ah, but it's you. So you don't deserve to be super proud about this because you always succeed because that's how they perceive me. I think that does get in the way of you celebrating. What am I going to say? And celebrating is gratitude. What am I going to say? I mean, I do sometimes say, you know what? It would be fucking nice if you said congratulations instead of saying, oh, but it's you. I do say that. I also accept that patterns exist and some people will forever see you through a, their own lens and that's fine too. I think that's empathy. I mean, understanding that this other person perceives you as a role model or a successful person and therefore cannot imagine that you go through the same things as they do. It's also why we're doing this podcast, isn't it? Like me coming on the mic and yeah. saying, by the way, I am broken. I don't know how to talk about my emotions. I don't know how to be proud about the things that I do because I always feel like I shouldn't be proud. It's not that I accept it. Here I am saying it out loud. Just it's how it is for now. I mean, well done for recognizing that in the end, you know, that it's mostly their problem. I think they think they're being kind to me by saying, oh, but you're constantly great. Like, that's actually what they're trying to say. I found myself saying this to someone recently and I punched myself. So this is someone that I know that is just a strong woman. And a few, like, shitty things happened to her. But at the end, I said, but, you know, I'm not worried about you. You're strong. You're going to get through this. And I'm going to like, fuck you, Marilyn. Like, that's the exact thing that you get upset at people when they say to you. And then I backed off. And then I said, but, you know, even though you're strong, if you need anything, I'm around, whatever, whatever. You don't have to be strong all the time. But it, but even I do it to others. And I mean it as a compliment. Having to always put something behind and not wanting yeah. to show it. I think it's a shame. Maybe it's me projecting or whatever because... I think you're mega projecting, by the way. Maybe. Just because I've seen it a few times now having been here. I go on social media and I say shit about the shit that I'm doing. Which is your challenge for the week. No, it's not. Claire is going to give me the challenge, <laughs> not you. Claire is separating us like her daughters. You know what? You're asking this question. Do you have an answer to it? Do you think it impacts my gratitude in a specific way? I think it does. How? It's as if you earned your chocolate. You earn the chocolate and you're like, and then you're just like, no, no. And then it like you, you hold it on so tight that it starts melting. <laughs> oh, okay. And then it starts melting and then yeah. you forget to eat it and to be like, oh, this is good. This is tasty. I earned this. And yay me. You're right. That's where I think your gratitude challenge is. I accept that. 
And I will also call Milhem and ask him how I can help. Well, I'm thinking if you know that there are people who consistently say to you, yeah, of course you got that amazing thing because that's just you. And, you know, that's fundamentally making you grab your chocolate even longer and making it melt even longer because you're not getting the response that might be one that allows you to feel comfortable in your gratitude. If you know that there are people out there in your group, in your community who are going to react like that, then maybe identifying the ones who don't and spending more time sharing with them. I have done that. I have a couple of friends now that I know are amazing cheerleaders. Rhea obviously is one of them. But And literally, I, I said this. There's a friend of mine and he knows who he is. I called him and I said, I need to speak to someone who I'm going to tell them what just happened to me and they're going to be ecstatic for me. But I think maybe the, the challenge here is not to let the others still affect because they do. I think we've we've gone quite a long way in terms of in terms of asking questions. I'd love to give you the same challenge, comparing notes along the way and seeing what works for each of you. Could be fun. I'd like to start with something that comes from what Ria was saying about, you know, not ever being able to um, just sit with the gratitude and sit with the good feelings and and I understand that you're not going to transform yourself totally, but I think that if you could find one opportunity each day to be grateful for something, but it does not have to be for the big fat victory. If that's too uncomfortable because that gives you feelings and reactions that are too strong and make you worry about, you know, what you're not contributing in Lebanon or whatever it might be, that's fine. Find one small thing or medium sized or big, which you can just allow yourself to share with someone else and express your gratitude. You define what the line between boastfulness and, and pride and just stop when you've said it. The moment you finish saying, I am grateful that blah, 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 then you're simply not allowed to say anymore. Okay, and you know, you, you hold your lips shut or you sit on your hands or whatever it takes, but you don't allow yourself to go into any sort of compensatory behavior. I can do that. I could do that. Can you do it publicly? You're going to post it on your social media every day? Oh, that publicly? Why? You cannot expand the challenge. I'm expanding. No, you can't. I can always, I mean, what do you mean? I've expanded every one of your challenges. Yeah, but that's like, then I have to expand your challenge. By all means. It's a tit for tat thing. Do it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> No. The, the hidden underlayer of this challenge is about finding the tone in which to do it that makes you comfortable inside and that which therefore becomes something which you are comfortable with outside as well. Okay, then I know what the, what the added layer to the challenge is. It can't just be that we share it with each other. It's very difficult for me to call someone and tell them that. Do we have to call different people every day? Yes. I'm down. You're down? I'm so down. Okay. If you're, and if you're really bold, then some days it will be people at home in Lebanon. Okay. Before we wrap up, Claire, I know you have a podcast coming out. Do you want to talk about it? I do. I have just recently started recording episodes of a podcast called Career Quicksilver, which is really about an exchange between two individuals, myself and whoever is playing my willing victim each time. The guest has an opportunity to talk about his or her career and how it's gone and what have been the highlights and what have been the dark spots and the struggles. And I throw in a, a few 
coachy type questions. They're not all coaching questions, but there's a dialogue that is about questions from me and reactions from the other person. For me, the benefit is that I get to hear beautiful stories and get people to open up and be vulnerable about what has made them the kind of people they are today. And for the guest, the gift back is that I then try to take all that I've heard, discovered, and, and crystallize it back into a story that can be told simply because you're grateful for it and, and happy to have the story, or perhaps because it would be useful to convince a client to work with you. It's been a great adventure so far. As you said, Mahidine, you were indeed the first guest and you were an amazing guinea pig. Oh, thank you. And, and I had such fun. Since I talked to you, I've, I've recorded three or four more. I've cried in two of them. But it's been a real adventure. Yeah, having been a guest and having had Claire tell my story back to me in her own words, it made me speechless. And we all know that I'm not speechless often. So I really recommend it. And I can't wait for the I first can't wait to hear it. to be online. It'll be listed shortly on all the usual places and it'll be listed under Career Quicksilver. You can reach me for anything, whether it's for Career Quicksilver or any kind of help you might want with coaching or career transition on claire at claireharbour.com and harbour is spelled b-o-u-r the Brilliant. english way not the american yeah way. and we'll put it in the in the show, show notes, notes as well on this wonderful note thank you claire for being here we are grateful for you we're very grateful marilyn i'm grateful for you for doing Likewise. this podcast Punk. with me and going on this journey for everyone else we are grateful for you too for listening we to our journey for our listeners and i went on instagram today and i'm going to do it here again and i asked our followers and my friends and family to please please recommend this podcast to people you know we'd love for more people to hear us so if you like us recommend us to people that you think can benefit from hearing us being vulnerable maybe it'll help them be vulnerable but also maybe write a review on apple podcasts we would really love that uh, so i'm putting my plea out again today and in the meantime this was who run, run the, the world. world you can listen to us on apple Podcasts, spotify deezer and rami overcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can follow us on Who Run The World Pod on Instagram and you can send us emails on say hi at whorontheworldpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. You know what I'm grateful for? What are you grateful for? The final word. <laughs>